Hi, folks, and welcome to The Unconventional Path. Well, you know, Mike and I like to mix things up every once in a while, and this is another one of those podcasts. Uh, it's not going to be your typical show. So often what happens is before uh, Mike and I actually start recording intros and outros that we do for various different episodes, he and I, I usually sort of catch up on what's going on in each other's lives, and sometimes we talk about current events and just sort of other things that sort of inspire. And uh, this day, when we were doing it, I decided to hit the record, hit the record button. And uh, I thought it was pretty good, had some good content, uh, some insight about maybe some of the differences between Germany and the United States, uh, some of the things going on in politics these days, if we dare go there, um, and sort of how uh, education works in Germany versus the United States. So those were some of the topics we talked about, and I thought it was pretty good, so we decided to make an episode out of it. Uh, we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. And if you like these types of shows, let us know, because almost every time Mike and I get together, uh, we chat about something going on in the world. So if you like them, let us know, and we'll continue to make more episodes out of them. So hope you enjoy it. Take care. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hi, Bela. Great. How are you? I am well. Nice to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. It's uh, we're recording this in what January twelfth. So happy New Year and uh, yeah, all of that good stuff. How is the year starting for you? That's good. Uh, yeah, I mean life is good. Life's great. There's no snow, so skiing is sort of marginal at best, and the weather's been really warm. Um, but other than that. Yeah, things are good. I skied yesterday, skiing tomorrow. Uh, we have some world university games going on up uh, up at the ski area. So there's a lot of events there. <clears throat> it's sort of like a, a version of the Olympics, uh, very similar types of events. But all of the participants are from, they have to be college students. Mm. But they still represent their country. So there's like a okay. hockey team for country X, but it's okay. made up of university students from various different universities. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's and so going they have on. a skiing competition, and mm -hmm. I imagine that's keeping you hopping, uh, Ski Patrol? Yeah. So they have uh, a couple of ski events at our ski area. The majority of events are happening up in Lake Placid. Uh, but we have a couple of uh, ski events that we're uh, we're hosting, or the mountain is hosting, and so we man man the ski courses, the race courses, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And all these events have several days of practice leading up to them. So, yeah. But so far, it's all good. And uh, although tomorrow it's supposed to rain, so I'm not quite oh, sure. Bad. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so who knows what'll happen, but you know, it'll be what it'll be. Yep. Can't yeah. control it. That's one of the things about skiing and, and sailing, right? Is you can't control the weather. You just have can't to react the best weather. you can. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. Good analogy, Mike. Good analogy there. <laughs> Trying to be sharp today. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What's new? How was your trip uh, back to the States? That's always interesting. It's always a little culture shock, right, to go back. But uh, 
we uh, we flew in about 24 hours or so before the storm, before Christmas kind of swept through the Midwest. Um, and I know it didn't hit you that bad. And it wasn't too bad in Michigan where my in-law, my mother-in-law is, my, my, my wife's side of the family. But we made it in kind of the the the, the right before the day before night before evening before I guess, and so I got up early, went to the grocery store, which I'm not used to. You know, here everything's kind of 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. kind of, and then the the stores, the grocery stores, all shut down overnight. So I got up early. We went to the grocery store and stocked up because it was the the my mother-in-law had come to Germany to visit for a couple of weeks. And then we all went back together. And so we needed to hit the grocery store, but we got everything in and done. And, you know, just the grocery stores are 10 times larger than they are here. And it's just very, um, there's a lot of, of uh, a culture shock when you go right off the bat to the grocery store um, in, in the U.S. So we did that. And uh, some of the family, we have some family that's in the upper peninsula of the U.S. And the U.S. listeners all know the geography, but maybe some of the international don't. But there's a big, long bridge called the Mackinac Bridge that uh, connects the two halves of Michigan. And that was, I guess, closed for a while or uh, restricted. Um, so we had to move our the family get-togethers uh, by a day or two. No, no damage. Everybody was fine with that. And uh, Traveled back right before New Year's uh, without any difficulty. So thankful to, you know, get back and see some family and friends and um, saw some friends that from graduate school that my wife and I hadn't seen in over a decade. Um, And they have kids and uh, the kids came, which was funny because the kids were tiny, you know, the last time we saw them and now they're like adults, you know, in their 20s. Um, So that was it's always fun. And and. (laughs) Uh, rem- reminisce a little bit. So yeah. yeah, and the flights were okay. Yeah, flights were okay. The um, you know the international ones tend to be in my experience now just a little bit more less chaotic, I think, than the domestic flights. They usually try to get them in the air and down, maybe a little delayed, but there's not so many cancellations. They usually yeah. there's a little more padding in terms of the turnaround time and things like that. Right. Um, so right. it, it tends to be a little more a little less stressful than. Than flying yeah. domestically, yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, I early in my in my uh, career, I can call it a career, but a summer job working at an airport. So, I worked for a small commuter airline, and the commuter airline used to fly basically between its hub of operations was in Poughkeepsie, New York. So it wasn't very big, as you can imagine, but it would it would fly to Burlington, Vermont, Boston, Massachusetts, and New York City, and. Uh, the flights themselves were all typically about an hour long. And then there was a half hour on the ground to turn the plane around. Now, these were 15 passenger airplanes, so they're not big airplanes. And, uh, but it was a half hour. So if the plane and, and, and schedules packed, right? The first plane, you know, fly, leaves at seven o'clock in the morning and the last plane lands at 11 o'clock at night. And they just go back and forth, back and right? forth, just back and forth, around, back, right. right, right. They go down, land, they got a half hour to turn around and come back. And you can imagine flying into those bigger airports. Sometimes you're, depending upon the runway configuration, i.e. which direction the wind is blowing, you can taxi for 10 minutes <laughs> to get to your spot. So, mm-hmm. and, and once you lost time, right, if the, if, the, if the first plane of the morning, you know, got left late, the whole day, it's really hard to make up that half hour because it was so tight. 
it, it took, you know, and I used to do all this. I used to fuel the airplane. I used to load the baggage, unload the baggage, you know, clean up the plane inside. So I was busy for that half hour. I could get everything done, but there's very little slack time. And, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a, if you're trying to work on efficiency, if the airplane's sitting on the ground, it's not making money. The only time the airplane makes money is when it's flying in the air. So that's, that's, you know, what they're trying to do. So I can understand how when they get a little hiccup, it's really a challenge to make that time up. You have a longer international flights. Of course, it's easier because it's a much longer percentage of time of the day. The airplane's actually flying than sitting on the ground. Cause we had two big meltdowns here recently in our air traffic system. So the, the big storm, um, about it, we had another, we've had this series of big storms. It's not unusual. They come in from the Pacific and they sweep across the United States, right? That's the winter weather pattern. And, and we had one a couple weeks ago that really screwed up traffic. And in particular, Southwest got hammered really bad for some reason. They had this bad weather plus a computer meltdown or something. I don't understand. And then yesterday, the air traffic control system, the, uh, the FAA, had some glitch in their system. And all flights were, were shut down for like a couple hours yesterday. And uh, so I'm glad to hear that you did it without any challenges or issues. Yeah, it amazes me how rarely those things happen, actually. And I guess yes. the system, I read a little bit about this. The system's pretty fragile, but it's it's also pretty resilient in a lot of ways. I think on the shoulders of a lot of hardworking people, right? Yeah. But, um, but you know, it's amazing when you look. I don't know if you've ever looked at one of these flight tracker apps, right? But this is fascinating. So I use these flight tracker apps to try to help manage my my travel and to keep one step ahead. If I think there's going to be some some delays, if I can see ahead a little bit by using some of this these apps, these in, this yeah. travel intelligence, I can I can rebook or I can change things, right? Um, and it also helps me pick flights better. I'm very strategic in which airplanes I use, which routes I'm flying, which airports I'm flying in and out of, things like that. Um, when I choose my flights, I'm kind of geeky about this stuff. Yeah. And those look ju at just one to of these... inter interject, those flight tracker yeah. apps often have data for the last several months about the delays exactly. of that particular flight. Exactly. And it's amazing how certain flights are almost always delayed. Exactly. Yeah. And if, and, and if you know this, when you're booking your flights, then you, you're much better off not taking the very next flight, but leaving a little bit or picking another connecting flight. So I've always been, as long as I've been able to access this data, I try to use the data and be very strategic in how I choose my, my flights. And I've been, maybe some of it's luck, but I think some of it is attributable to using data wisely um, and not really suffering a lot of major travel delays with all the, we travel a lot. Um, you know, if, if you look yeah, at over the last sure. 15 years, which is, I know, horrible for the environment and I'm trying to reduce my flying footprint um, dramatically, but the, using this data is, is, is a smart way to do it. But if you look at all the flights in the air at any one given time, it's just incredible how many planes are in the air when you look worldwide. And it's incredible that we don't have more of these meltdowns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's astonishing how many airplanes yeah. are flying around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have, they have similar, similar, uh, applications for, for ships. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and the there too, it's thing. like, same, you, you look at it and go, Oh my gosh. I mean, you look at places thousands like the, and thousands and yeah, thousands. it's unbelievable. Right. And those are not yeah, ships like me, <laughs> right? I mean, those are real no, boats. Yeah. Right. Each one has it's hours and hours of loading and unloading and right. They can yeah. only go in certain places and all of this is managed. And 
it's it's an uh, and it's all really a decentralized system if you think about it right it it's, is it's, that's right it's not like there's one controlling body for any of this stuff right i mean maybe within a country but across it's it's these kind of rules of the road right and some protocols right and it's amazing that worldwide right all these different languages that we speak we have this these industries that develop this common kind of system and language and tools and they make it, and it, you know, 99 point whatever percent of the time it works. When it doesn't work, it's a big deal, right? Like when the ship got stuck in the Suez yep, Canal, Suez Canal, right, 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 um, right or whatever. But so, so these the, the problems are are big impact problems. But it's amazing that so much uh, traffic, right, in the air on the on the waterways yep. flows so so freely, right? Uh, overall, even though there's lots of individual delays, right? But it is remarkable, unbelievable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's just starting to snow outside as I look out the window. So it's supposed to snow a little bit, then change Lovely. to rain. Yeah. Yeah. How's uh, how's teaching going? Uh, teaching is good. We're, you know, we're in the last month, the last two weeks of our semester. Um, and some fun stuff. So next Friday, a week from tomorrow, we have the final presentation. So one of the projects that I do with my our international management students is with a company called Class C L A S S and they are actually a leading manufacturer of harvesting equipment and tractors agri big agricultural mm, equipment yeah. right they compete with John Deere they're they're worldwide they're much bigger here in in Europe sure. right than they are in other parts of the world um, but so they're doing a cool project for them looking at some um, international market entry strategies to try to improve the the market position. So they're working with some of the execs who um, have come in and worked with our students this semester. And then Friday, a week from Friday, they give their final recommendations and we get to go to the plant and uh, they're gonna give the presentation, the the presentation in front of a bunch of the management team. And so it should be really fun. And the, in Germany, the culture is really to be open and inviting to students. They're really interested in bringing them in and they serve them a nice lunch and all of these really neat things. It's, that's fun. So I learn a lot from these things. I learn oh, probably cool. as much or more than the students. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so we'll get the students on the bus at 7:30 in the morning and drive about an hour and a half and um, and do that on Friday. So that's fun. And um, in the entrepreneurship class that I teach, um, I think I told you this, but we've been we've had design and engineering and business students all mixed together, um, which is more common in the US, but less common here in Germany. They're very rigid in terms of just yeah. kind of keeping the discipline separate. Um, and the focus has been on water conservation. Uh, mm. So so uh, technologies, products, services um, to try to, uh, to conserve water. Um, so we've got six teams and they all have ideas and they're gonna do kind of, um, you know, 10 minute or 15 minute pitches. And we've got some, um, some local kind of um, um, uh, incubator coaches and some angel investors, and they'll come and watch the students. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, so that's a week. That's two weeks from yesterday. So that's wrapping up. And then yeah. my master's students are working on, um, there's a variety of projects that they're working on. One's with the local hospital on sustainability. Uh, one's with this really cool local digital consulting company called Moo and uh, they're, they do all kinds of real cool stuff with AI and, uh, yeah. um, uh, retail, uh, e-commerce interfaces. Um, 
BASF, the codings company, their digital incubation unit. We've got one team working with them. We've got a couple of student teams working on some cool startup ideas. Um, so that's coming to a close. So they'll do those presentations in February. So I got my hands full as usual. Yeah. Lots of cool stuff, but um, but lots of lots of student interaction, answering questions, coaching, yelling so my, sometimes. Re remind me, remind me how in Germany college works. Do do how do students pay for it, or how 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 does that part work? Ah, uh, it's a great question. Um, so the U.S. audience is gonna their draws will drop, but here the the tuition the fees um, are about three hundred and fifty euros, which is about whatever three hundred and sixty five dollars right now. I think at the exchange rate per semester, three hundred and sixty five dollars. So re regardless of regardless of where you go, or is it a function of the institution? Uh, so unlike the US, most of the universities in Germany are public and the tuition fees are set state by state. So each state um, sets its own uh, tuition and then it's consistent across the board. There are a few programs, like I was talking to one of my neighbors and she's a dentist and the, they charge a little bit of a more fees for some of the medical professions because of the lab fees and things like this. But the basic fees for the tuition is the same no matter what program you're in. Um, but yeah, some do add an extra fee for lab fees or for sure. if the, in the art and things like that. But there's none of this multi-thousand dollar tuition. None in the. It, yeah. There's some private schools that can, that charge that here, but they're they're not not quite so common. Um, so it's really a huge difference. The students still are kind of on the hook for room and board. They have to, but again, the norms are different. So a lot of students just go to the school that's closer to mm. home. To where they and live, yeah. Exactly. So some of the students still stay at home. Um, the The cost of living in some German cities is lower than in typical in the U.S. In some, it's a little higher. Here in Münster, it's a big university city. We're the, actually the smaller. We have 15,000 students, which is a lot for you and me compared to where we've taught. Yeah. Um, but we're the smaller university in town. There's another larger university that's a more traditional research university. Um, and I think they have, I think they have like 35,000 students and we have 15,000 or 40,000. Yeah. So student housing yeah. is at a premium, but they, 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 you know, triple up essentially, right. And find a place to live and, uh, and it works, but room and board is, so that's a little more controllable, but really finances don't get in the way, um, of students getting a, a college education here, which is a big difference. Um, and there's even financial aid. You can get a yeah. grant, right? To yeah. Not only cover these, this 350 euros, but also your living expenses. So for lower income students, sure. there's plenty of, of federal support. I, I maybe plenty is, or is, is a little aggressive, but there's a significant amount compared to the yeah. U S I think the German students say, Oh, it's not enough, but it looks to me like it's way more than typical in the U S yeah. from, yeah. from my experience there. And, and but, how does, how, how does admissions work? Is it highly selective or do you basically guaranteed entry or how, how does that part work? Uh, depends program by program. So like for our school, it's definitely competitive, um, in our programs. Um, and so you're not, that's the key is you're not guaranteed a place as a student. There are a lot of places, but so some students don't get into the public university of their choice, and then they would go to a private school and have to pay. Or you also have these op options to go and do um, 
to do more applied work, right? So you can apply to programs where you'll learn a trade or you'll sure. go work in a bank and yeah, you yeah. can get a dual degree so you can get a place there, but they're typically a little less um, reliant on the grades, right? From from high school. Um, so, so yeah, so there's like in our program, you go through an interview, so you have an application and there's an interview process at both the bachelor's and the master's level. Um, the master's program that I help run in, in um, in digital business and innovation, it's pretty selective. So there's only 25 slots a year and we get anywhere from 150 to 200 applications. I mean, it's only the third year, but in the first three years, there's been a lot more applications and seats. Um, so ba I'd say masters, it's more competitive. Bachelors, yeah. it's less so. Yeah, and is, is there sort of like an entrance exam you need to take? I think that depends. Like here there isn't because Part of it is, is that from my observations, and again, you know, I'm no expert in the high school system. I don't have kids and, you know, it's only kind of what my, my colleagues tell me and, and what the kids I talk to tell me, but um, there's a lot less variance in the high school education from city to city or from school to school or from school district to school district. So here in Germany at the state level, the funding for per pupil is consistent. It's not up to each town to have a millage vote like you do in yeah. the US. Yeah, yeah. So, since the funding is consistent and the standards are consistent, we tend to see now the the, the high schools they can they can um, emphasize something. Some emphasize language, some emphasize math and science, and so there are some differences. But we kind of know that the, all the students coming out of the the German system have the basics yeah. Yeah. to a much greater extent than we do in the U.S. And again, yeah. my German colleagues say, "Oh no, there's these big differences," and I'm like, "You haven't seen anything, right? <laughs> Until you've seen you've seen an incoming class of freshmen." In the U.S., yeah. right, of first-year students, yeah. because the difference is, it's not that some of it's the students' fault, but a lot of it is just where your parents lived and you went to school, right? Yeah, is what it is, you know. Yeah, you can, there was there was a study that just came out uh, here, uh, looking at uh, one of the school districts that's relatively close to me, and they evaluated first graders third graders, sixth graders, and ninth graders for reading skills. And, and they said by third grade, something like 40% of the students were at least one grade level behind. By sixth grade, 40% were like two grade levels behind. And by ninth grade, it was like 60% were at least three grade levels behind. Now, here's the other interesting data point. 95% of the first graders when they came into the system were at grade level. Wow. So the longer you stayed in school, I mean, the more you fell behind. The more you fell behind. Yeah, that's a pretty stunning indictment. It was, it was, it was like my jaw dropped when I heard that. And my, yeah. my jaw was like, oh my gosh. And you and I have talked about this in the past. Our our educate our primary education system here is really broken. It's yeah, and I don't I don't pretend to have any answers. Yeah. Um, but I see it. You know, and I guess I haven't taught regularly in the U.S. since 2017. Yeah. But when I was there, the differences were so strong, and you had these dual things working. Is one is this real high variance in terms of prep and ability to yes. come in and thrive in a university environment, yes. and then the other is the financial burdens that this put on students, yes. and it's a recipe for a disaster. Yeah. Um, and it breaks my heart 
right? But yeah. this was one of the reasons I left. I couldn't ethically be a part of a system mm. that charged these students so much money and I made such a high salary. I'll tell you, you know this, I took a pay cut. I teach way more right. hours per semester. My office right. is nice, but it's smaller than, you know what I mean, right? I don't have quite the same resources as I did in, in the US. Um, but I'll tell you, the budget is consistent year over year. We're not relying on tuition dollars, right? Yeah. It's 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 set. It's a different funding model. Yeah, it's a totally different funding model. Um, we still need to respond. I mean, we need to have enrollments, and we need to show that we're making a difference for our employers. Um, we have to show a lot um, of um, about our performance, um, yeah. but it's but it's not tied to tuition dollars, which is nice. Yeah. Different set of challenges. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's. It, it, are the now you said you you know there's a bigger university in town that's much more research oriented university yes so one of the things that always struck me here in the United States is that all the schools all's a, all's too big of a encompassing word but most schools have adopted the same model they everyone's goal is to be an R1 university <laughs> right that's mm -hmm. what everybody wants to be mm -hmm. and 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 but you you only need you pick a number, 10, 20, 30, 40 R1s, <laughs> and the rest of them should be other things. But but the challenge that makes is that everyone's evaluating themselves against criteria, which which I really I really like the notion that different schools focus on different things. Right? I, I just think that makes a lot of sense to me. Instead of everyone trying to say everyone has to publish papers, everyone's got to do research, everyone's got to do all this stuff. So this notion of saying that you know some schools should really interact with industry and and your main goal should be showing relevance and demonstrating relevance to industry and helping students get connected to industry the commercial world and find jobs right and then other set of schools should yes they're the ones that should be pushing the envelope and developing research and pushing the frontiers of science but not everyone should be trying to push the frontiers of science Right? Yeah. I mean, you and I have been down that path before, right? We've, I, I think we've had this conversation, but it, 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 I like what you're saying there about this notion of, you know, first of all, the funding's consistent, that, that makes planning a heck of a lot easier, et cetera. But then making sure that not everyone is, is being measured against the same metrics, mm -hmm. right? And in the United States, we've pretty much all adopted the same set of metrics, <laughs> Yep. For the most, for the most part, right? I mean, there are exceptions to that. Clearly, yeah, but the, the community part. colleges versus the universities, but yeah, everybody's well, looking at the same set of rankings per se, and it's, per se, it's not healthy. It, it, in right. essence, everybody's looking, right? The rankings are driving everything here, and okay. and uh, I, I've always and I and I can remember going to to various different you know academic meetings, and 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 there'd be you know, some schools would set up booths there, you know, to brag about what they're doing. And they'd have a big banner and it'd say, you know, rank 75th, blah, blah, blah. And then some other school next to them would say rank 80th. And I'm like, does anybody care? Mm. <laughs> I, as a student, am I going to select the 75th ranked one instead of the 80th ranked one based upon the ranking? No. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm, I'm certainly not. Yep. I'm going to based upon the programs and what you do and all those other things. Once you get out of the top I don't know what the right number is. 20 rankings are sort of relatively, you know, not relevant as far as I think about it, but I could be yeah. wrong. I don't know. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is we have much fewer majors. So like you're just mm. a business major. And so it's interesting. And we use our system a little differently where the bachelor's is just to give you the general overview of the field. Okay. 
and then you go do your specialty in the masters, mm -hmm. right? So there's a little bit, it's not a perfect, it's not like that across the board and everywhere, but at least in business, most universities just have a degree in business. Yes. Not supply chain, not yeah. accounting, not right. All of these things. And then you go get your master's in accounting or you get your master's in supply chain or you get your master's in HR rather than an MBA. We don't do a lot of MBAs here because that's a generalist degree. You get everything you get in a US MBA. You really get that maybe not to quite the same level, but in the business, the undergraduate the business degree. degree. And we don't have to teach writing. Well, we teach a little bit of business writing in foreign languages, but we don't have to teach the basics because they get all that. They all get that yeah. in high school. They all know the. Um, Again, and I don't want to sound like a jerk because it's not perfect and it's not the US, the US educational system has done amazing things over the last 200 and whatever years, right? And there's really some great things that they've done. So I don't want to sound like I'm shitting all over it, right? But, um, but my German students, not the best in the country, right? You know what I mean, right? My typical, very typical German students know more US history than my the, the my good my best u.s <laughs> students yeah right they know more world history they speak more languages right they um they can do more math right they write better they write in english in their second language better than a lot of my u.s students do in their first language yeah. okay and to me that's about the the consistency of the education that you know, at the high school, at the, and it starts in kindergarten. Like you said, it starts when the kids are, t are tiny, right? Right. That they were, we're doing something you're doing in the U S something's going gone wrong. And some of it's the litigiousness of the parents, right? Some of it's this insistence on standardized testing. I mean, we have some of this stuff too here, but not to the same extent. Right. And the whole gun issue, right. The whole right. duck, you know, right. Doing the drills and students are in fear and it's just much less of a deal here because the laws are different. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's fascinating. Yeah. And they go to school fewer hours a day. School's done at one o'clock and the kids go home. For like, you mean like primary education? For the day. Yeah. Wow. All the way through. Kids are done at one. Wow. And they started like eight. They don't start at like 4.30 yeah, yeah. in the morning. Yeah. I think they go a few more weeks. Again, I'm not an expert because they don't have kids. But um, I think the hours of schooling are less in Germany than they are in the U.S. Now, it causes another problem for the parents trying to work and take care of the kids. This is a whole other set of issues that yes. my German friends complain a lot about and struggle with. Sure. Um, but it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. Yep. It is fascinating. All right. Well, shall we get think? into our, uh, assigned task here? I think we shall. All right. So I'm going to, I started recording when we started talking. I saw. Yeah. So I'm going to stop that. I don't know if I'll make a podcast out of this or not. You got <laughs> we'll some see. content. Yeah. But I, I have some up. We have an opportunity. I didn't want to miss anything because every once in a while we have a really good conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if today was or not, but yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to stop this. We didn't get I'll into start... politics at all. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I, you, you, I, I got to do this. So there's this assemblyman in New York State, the liar. A, the, yes, the liar. So mm -hmm. you've heard about him. Oh yeah, right? that made the news here. So, so the only place that we have this debate is with politicians. What I mean by that is if, is if you, if you are not honest on your resume or not honest on your application, right. you're, you're, you're escorted out that day. Yeah. Any you company you've ever been involved with, right? Bela, any right. company, right? Any company, you're fired. any, any you're, you're fired, right? You are, you are led out the door. 
there, there's, there's no trial. There's no nothing. You are gone. But it's only, I mean, how many times have we seen this with elected officials? <laughs> were, they, were they lying about what they've done? Clearly lying, not just, well, stretching the truth a little bit. Right, you but, change the job title here and there, but no, wholesale right, lies, right? right? Wholesale about lying. companies that you worked for and degrees that you have, and, and right? And it's the only place where we debate this. It's yeah. the only place. Yeah. And, right? it's, and, and the salaries are higher in a lot of cases than people. I mean, people get fired for working at McDonald's, you know what I mean, for right. their stuff. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I just don't understand it. It's like, and, and they and everyone talks about ethics and ethics reform and all this stuff. Well, come yeah. on, you guys, you guys make the rules. Do it. Stop talking yeah. about it. Get rid of them. Right. It's <laughs> easy to get rid of them. It really is. Just get it's rid of them. Just, I couldn't. I'm just scratching my head on this one. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. No. It's sad. It's 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 really it's. I I think, and and so. One can say that we sh we should look at our elected officials as role models for leadership and moving the country yeah. forward, et cetera. Well, well a higher standard, you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Not yes. a lower standard. A higher right. standard. Exactly. After all, they all talk about that's why they do it <laughs> for public yeah. service. Yeah. It should but be a higher we have a lower standard. So a higher standard. So what's what's the role model that's being projected here? Yeah, you can lie, you can cheat, you can do all this stuff. And keep your job. Right? And keep your job. That's what's being. And you're even more famous, famous, right? Nobody would have heard of this guy, right? That's right. That's right. Now he's famous. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> astonished. It's flabbergasting. Yeah. <laughs> totally astonished. And why wouldn't people in the community say, you know what? We need to start a recall now. I haven't read anything about this, right? No. There needs to be a recall vote at the soonest possible moment, right? Because this person can't represent us. Right. Right? At the very least, if the if the House isn't willing to do anything, we need to have a recall now, right? Is there, am I missing something or so the, did they the start local, that process? The, the local uh, Republican, Nassau County Republican Committee or something, mm -hmm. which has supported this person, et cetera, the chairman of that committee came out and just said, first of all, he fell on his sword. He's got, we screwed up. We should have done a background check. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's fell on his sword, which is good. Mm -hmm. and, and he also said, we disavow this guy, but they have no power to do anything. There are, no, but they should ask the people to start. A, I mean, every, right. at least every jurisdiction that I've ever lived in has a recall process, right? Yes. I just, and I you just, need to have a petition with a certain number of signatures and then it goes into a ballot and then you vote. Right. For for misdemeanors. Right. For. Right. This right. is a misdemeanor. But, but you know, very but clearly. You know, you know what the issue is. Right. We've we've gotten to we've gotten to what team are you on? And that's what's mm. most important. Right. Not the, what's the team. The, country. the team is more important. And yeah, we don't want to lose the seat than anything else. Right. So Bad. we won this seat. The last thing we want to do is lose it. Yeah. So. Fools. So for the for the Georgia Senate election. Um, four hundred million dollars was spent on the Georgia Senate election. It's crazy of outside money, right? Yes, yes. You know, of which one right. percent came from the right, probably the people who actually lived there. I mean, a Senate seat should be worth about maybe two dollars. <laughs> Not full. That's both parties combined together across both elections, right? The first election and then the runoff election. It's four. Still, it's completely. Million. Do you know how many kids you can feed for that? How many? teachers you can pay right how much how much health care you can 
you can support people with. Dollars. Right. And like, there was a hundred, there was a hundred individuals, individuals who this past election cycle, which is not a presidential election cycle, it's a hundred individuals who gave over $150 million each People have to too various much money. different political campaigns. People have too much money. If this is now, do you on, think you right? gave that much money and not expect something back? Back. Right. No way. Right. No way. And that's where they want the tax credits. They want Absolutely. the, the that's don't why we have this audit tax me. Code. They want right. Right. That we have. And oh, let me send you. I'll send you the the uh, the wording of the bill that I want you to pass. That's right. right. And then they just forward it that our our sleazy lawyers wrote. And and if you and I trade stocks because we have information that's not generally known to the public. Yeah, we go that's to insider trading. Right. We go to jail. We go and to many jail. People have. And right. many people have. And many people have. But here again, we have a different standard. All right, a lower standard. Yes. Right? A not lower a higher standard. standard. A lower standard for our elected officials. They're right? supposed we to be role have, models. We basically have no standard. Right. <laughs> that's, that's how low the standard is. How low is. can you There's go? No yes. I, I Horrible. Just, not, is it that way in Germany with elected officials? No, no, do they, no, 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 do, no. Do they live we a have, different life? Yeah. No, we have much stricter rules on the financing of this. And yeah. I mean, the Germans, my German friends complain. They say, oh, no, there's money here, too. But it's just such a tiny amount compared to what's allowed in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and the. The. Um, the system, the salaries aren't as high. The, yeah. you, there are stricter rules on the consulting and switching back and forth. You can't do any of that. Um, they, the audits, the forms that they have to fill out, the disclosure forms are very stringent. Uh, they do regular audits. So, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame here mm. in terms of the influence of money in politics. Germans will say it's too much. Yeah, but yeah. when you look at it relative, it's kind of like, you know, what we've talked about before. The relative differences are really stark. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Oh, well, we're not going to solve that problem. No. No interest, no ability. <laughs> That's right. But All it right. causes a lot of damage. I mean, the, I, I, the society loses, you know? And, and, we lose, and we lose in such a huge way, right? Because it's, this, is, this is fundamentally money that's not moving society and culture forward. Correct. It's In just, any way, it's not helping you, your grandkids one bit. You might as well burn the right? money. Right. <laughs> you might as well burn it's being it. wasted. Right. It's, being, it's wasted. being wasted. And it's being recycled through this part of the economy that is, in my opinion, ugly and unproductive. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. It's like drug dealers, right? It's like money that goes into the hands of drug dealers, right? It goes into this small loop, right? And it keeps reinforcing and it's it, it doesn't help anybody. Except right. the, the families of these people who are pretty stupid to begin with, right? Yeah. It's like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Nope. And your grandkids are going to pay the price, unfortunately. That's right. Every generation pays a bigger price. That's the conclusion I've come to, right? Every yeah, we generation. were the, the end of the golden era in a lot of senses where it wasn't yeah. perfect, right? But it wasn't like this. Right. There was some integrity. Like and, right. It wasn't this bad. And, and, it, and in our lifetimes, it's gone from... X to Y and, and Y is really, really bad. You can argue mm. how good or bad X was, but Y mm -hmm. is, is orders bad. of magnitude worse than it was. All right. Seems to me.
Right, on a lot of dimensions. Now, overall, we've made incredible strides in healthcare. We've made incredible strides in reducing a lot of forms of crime, right? But it's a lot of it's been really uneven too. It's it's much better place if you're rich and white, right? And it's a much worse place if That's you're right. poor. That's right. You know, our 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 inequities, or whatever the right word is, in my in my mind, have actually grown. Mm -hmm. Gotten worse. I think so since we were kids. The, over the last maybe not before the 60s right and because we we had pretty severe segregation mm -hmm. right it was I, by I, race I, which then was by right it was racial right. but that that led right. to the economics right, they, right. there's no opportunity right right so so there yeah. was this golden era in the 60s and 70s and maybe the early 80s right where some of the racial tensions declined. They didn't obviously go away, right? And some of the economic wealth was redistributed. And, right. you know, some of the new economic wealth that was created, that, you know, spread to the middle class and things like this. And people got an education and the GI Bill and all this really cool stuff between the 60s and the, right, and the and the early 80s. And then, right, something happened. And something happened. I don't know what it was, but the it it's it's gone downhill. Yeah, because remember the big deal for us was, oh, every generation did better than their parents. That was the watchword, right? I know, you know, you did better than your parents. I did better Absolutely. than my parents. I yeah. mean, define better, but right in terms of a more stable financial foothold right. in the world, right? None, neither of us were that far off from, you know, from immigration, right? So we're in a better place. And the idea is that you have kids and those kids are in a better position, right? They have more, even more access to education and financial stability and so on and so forth. And then their kids, so forth. And for rich people sure that progression is still there but i think it's gone for for poor people and i think middle class at least the data that i see has almost disappeared compared to what was there in the, in yeah, the 70s it's, it's it, it almost it almost reminds me of uh, you know the caste system where one, mm -hmm. once you're in a particular category it's really Your difficult stuff. to mm -hmm. it, it's difficult to break through the boundary and and i think that that's that's gotten more and more challenging in this country yeah. And this was the great thing about the U.S., right, is you could come from anywhere and you could make it. That was when we were growing up, kind of the American dream. This is what your family did, right? <laughs> right? We, we came did. over. We came here with nothing. Right. right. Nothing. Right. And, right. you know, my as, grandparents. As many, many, many people did, right? As yeah. many, many people did. And you had a chance. You, you could get an education without going into a huge amount of debt, right? You could start a business. You could get hired and have a great career because you had a good basic education, right? All the kids. Gone. Yeah. For most. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get to this. Yeah. All right. Let me stop. What do you want to do me... first?